Lord, and through it all, though some many times internally we don't feel settled, but there is this deep sense, though, of your loving watch care over our lives. And I thank you that even when things don't totally feel as I want them to feel, just for that, that deep sense of rest in you and that sense of it being well with our soul. Yeah, Lord Jesus, just this morning, read the story in Matthew where you spoke peace over that raging storm. And so, if anyone is here today with a raging internal storm, would you speak peace over them? And pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you like do a Fitbit thing that keeps track of like steps and all of that? Very many of you. I want, I want to give you, if you have one, I want to give you a, a piece of Fitbit advice. Playing drums like this is awesome because I'm already at 6,000 steps and I haven't even moved this morning. <laughs> the first time that happened, it was like a Sunday I had played over with the internationals and then like noon I hit, it was, you know, beep, 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 and I'm like, wow, I hit my, I'm like, how in the world did I hit 8,000 steps? And then I realized drumming or shaker, anything like that will, will count, so... Hey, and just to let you guys know, my thing is not coming up here, my little green arrow. I may need to, last time we did this, I had, they had to reboot something, I don't remember what it was, but um, okay, so we are going to be continuing our series in Proverbs. Before we do, we have a little bit of important business to take care of first. Um, Charlie and Beth, this is your last Sunday with us, right? Would you guys stand up? I told them ahead of time that I was going to embarrass them. Um, you guys have been here 11 years at 12th Avenue. You've been very involved the whole time you've been here, and you've been a blessing to our family. We trust that we've been a blessing to you, and you've been in a very important part. And so, you know, God's kingdom is, is everywhere, and He moves the pieces and players where He wills. And so, we just want to send you as you go to Wichita, to Derby, and... Just know that you will continue to serve him there and live a sent life there because that's what he's called us to. If you remember, Jesus said, the Father sent me, so send I you, and so we want to send you. So can we pray for you guys? Yeah, we would love to do that. So Father, pray for the Seamers as they uh, move on to the next, this next stage, part of their life. Um, we have so enjoyed and they have so invested themselves here and they have loved and served deeply and have reflected your love in so many ways that many of us have felt. And so we will miss having them here, but we know that you have a place for them. You have a mission where they're going. And so as they go, Lord, we send them on your behalf, and we pray that you would help them to find that, that body of believers that they can become a party of a family down there in Derby, a place where they can continue to live those sent lives to be on mission with you, a place that will also be a family to them and a blessing to them. And just pray as they go through transition, having family and grandkids who've moved far away, that you would help them to walk that path. And we just long for your blessing on their lives. And play again in Jesus' name, amen. So say something to those guys today. Um, and I'm going to do a quick, uh, here, see if I can do the thing that uh, Jonathan told me they did last time that made this thing fire up correctly. So forgive me while, there it goes. That's, what, that's all it took. So, um, all right. Last week we talked about ambitions, desires, plans, and planning, and this morning I want to continue along that theme, um, but take a little bit of a different direction. And there is an insert in here. This thing's pretty detailed, but... Um, there's a reason I did this in this way. We're, the overall teaching is based on Proverbs 13.4. And the concepts I'm going to share with you this morning have been very influential in my life since I first heard this in the 90s. And um, that's why I kind of have so much. I want, this is something that if you could take home or pass on to somebody. Um, I need to really give credit to two people. The concept I first heard... Uh, somebody talking about Proverbs 13.4, Daniel Webster in the, the mid-90s, uh, 
and he's the one who gave me kind of the basic idea and gave me a visual. And then over the years, I was, kind of, I was working on that and developing it, and then I heard Andy Stanley teach one time, and he gave me some more concepts that I added to it and have just been honing it for several years. And so I hope that this blesses you and your walk with God as much as it has um, for me. And again, so we're just in Proverbs, the fine art of living well. And this is, I think, today we're going to talk about this, some principles from the Proverbs and from the Bible that I think are very helpful in living life skillfully. Um, Constantine Bransusi, I think he's an Italian guy or Italian background, said to see far is one thing, going there is another. To see far as one thing, going there is another. I think we all understand this, right? We all have desires, intended destinations that we hope to arrive at. Uh, things like, what, getting physically fit, getting, cutting down on sugar, saving rich for retirement or a major purpose purchase, getting out of debt, acquiring a new skill. Um, spiritual goals, like maybe growing in one particular fruit of the Spirit, knowing God more intimately, making daily Bible reading a part of my life. I mean, there's all f different things that I think we have these intended destinations. Um, but whatever the desire and whatever that intended destination, I think the rub comes in getting from one to the other, right? Haven't we all experienced that? The rub comes from getting one to the other. Um, we all know what it's like to want something, but it's a totally different thing to attain it, right? So the desire alone, the intention by itself, it will never get us to that destination. And Proverbs 13.4 um, speaks to this. And it's on your sheet. I thought I had it on here, but I don't. On your sheet, if you'll look underneath the diagram, it says this, no matter how much a lazy person may want something, he will never get it. A hard worker will get everything that he wants. And so, here's the question is, what is the key to getting from our desires to our intended destination? What, if I want to get there, what is the key to that? And it's actually a principle, it's what Andy Stanley calls the principle of the path, and here's what it is. Direction, not intention, determines destination. Can you guys read that with me? Direction, not intention, determines destination. So let me, let me just quiz you on that. Is that okay? Will intention alone get you to your destination? No. What do you need to get to your destination? Direction. You need some direction. Okay. We see this in Galatians 6-7, which, by the way, is a proverb. What a person plants, he will harvest. What a person plants, he will harvest. Now, if I want corn and I plant wheat, what am I going to get? What? <laughs> yeah, corn that tastes like wheat. Looks like wheat, tastes like wheat, right? If I want to plant wheat, but I plant corn, what am I going to get? Man, you guys are sharp. That's what I love about this body. You guys are sharp. Uh, right, if I want wheat, if that's my intention, I've got to plant wheat if I want to harvest wheat. Pretty simple, right? Because direction, not intention, determines my destination. This applies to everything in life. Everything. There's a corollary, corollary principle to this, and it's this, that every path leads to a destination. Every path leads to a destination. In other words, the road you take will determine where you end up. I mean, kind of a no-brainer, right? If I want to get to Dallas from Kansas City, the road that will get me there is what? I-35 south, not west, south, I-35 south. If I take I-35 north, where am I going to end up? Yeah, Des Moines, Minneapolis, and then eventually up to wherever, the outer, not the Outer Banks, but the, the, what's that called up there? And up, yeah, Patty's been there. Yeah, the Boundary Waters. Did you survive the Boundary Waters? Well, you're here. I mean, there they are. They're here, so they, they obviously survived. Yeah, if you take I-70 West, are you going to end up in Denver? I mean, in, <laughs> in Dallas? 
No, you're going to end up in Denver. Now, that's probably the preferred destination over Dallas is Denver, Colorado. Sorry to my transplanted Texans here. You wouldn't believe how many Texans have like moved up here and are part of 12th. Uh, they're good folk. My, all my relatives are from Texas, but I think Denver is a pr much preferred uh, place to go to. Waters would agree, right? You guys are going to be heading there probably soon. Baby coming this week? Hope Tomorrow. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, now, while this makes total sense in regard to travel, right, this is all a no-brainer, for some reason there is a major disconnect in all of us, I think, when, this, when it comes to living life and applying this principle, especially in the most important things. There's this big disconnect between our desired destination and the path that we're on many times. So many people are on the path toward A, but they think that B is going to get them there. Does that make sense? In their mind, they're on the path toward A, but they think B is what's going to get them there. And if you take B, you're going to end up at what? At B, not on A, because every path has a, a destination. Um, let me give you an example of this that I think applies because over the years, I've seen a lot of this. Um, actually, it's not up there. Let me, let me just do it this way. Um, with, my, with my mind. I'm going to give you a mind image. Imagine that what I want to get to is I want to marry a person who passionately loves God the way I do. That's my intended destination, okay? Now, remember, because every path leads to some destination. And what if the path that I end up taking is I end up dating a person who really doesn't care about God, has no passion for God, does not share that with me? What is my likely destination on that path? Where am I most likely going to end up if I'm dating people who have no passion for God? What would you guess? Getting married to a person who has no passion for God because that's the path that I'm on. And I see so many people who have a desire for that, even in dating, that in their, for their marriage. They're like, this is what I want to be. This is who I want to marry. But then the path that they put themselves on takes them in the total opposite direction. And I've seen that so much with young people and just other things in our lives that we've seen that. So, I think so many times we end up at B when we intend to go to A, and we end up asking the question, like, what happened? How did I get here? But frequently, people on the outside who are looking at our lives and the path that we're actually on can be like, I mean, of course that's where you ended up because that's the path that you were on. So, for some reason in our fallenness, I think we, th we think that intentions somehow trump the path that we're on, but the reality is the, tr the path will trump our intentions every time. And um, when you get home today, read Proverbs chapter 7, verses 6 to 21, because there Solomon talks about one day looking out his window, and he saw a young man walking down a, the, the wrong street, and Solomon talks about the lady who lived on that street and the things she did. And it talks about where that young man ends up, and it says that when Solomon saw him, he was naive, and what he didn't realize is he had put himself on a path that was taking him to a destination. Many times others can see the destination of the path that we're on better than we can, and that's why really we need to be, listen, be wise and listen to other people. Here's what Proverbs says about wise people, that a wicked man puts up a bold front, but an upright man gives thought to his ways. And Proverbs 22.3 says, a sensible person will see trouble coming and avoid it. See trouble coming and avoid it, but an unthinking person will walk right into it and regret it later. So the wise gives thought to his ways. The wise sees trouble coming and they work to avoid it. They live their lives in such a way that they can recognize those wrong turns and wrong paths early in the course, early on, and change course as soon as possible. Because the wise know that on every path there is this kind of point um, that if you don't get off that wrong path and onto a right path, that um, you, you can get off early with little consequence, but there's kind of this point that if you don't get off early without consequence, you get to this, this place to where if you don't change course, the consequences and the costs can be very high. There comes a point on every path that's like the last free exit, and wise people know that. 
And so they get off early to avoid paying the toll. But a lot of people, a lot of us, though we intend one thing, we get on a path, and even if we begin to get an inkling or somebody warns us, we stay on the path, we pass the last free exit sign, and then we start paying a toll with consequences through that. C.S. Lewis talked about this. He says, we all want progress, but progress means getting near to the place where you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you're on the wrong road, progress means doing an about turn and walking back to the right road. And in that case, the man who turns back soonest is the most progressive man. We've all seen this when doing arithmetic. When I have started a sum the wrong way, the sooner I admit this and go back and start over again, the faster I shall get on. There's nothing progressive about being pig-headed and refusing to admit a mistake. But what foolish people do is they ignore the warning signs, they ignore people's advice, they keep on going on the path that they're at, and they miss that chance for, a, for that last free exit. So, di- direction, not intention, determines my destination. A corollary is every path that I'm on, every path leads to a destination. There is no path that I'm walking that isn't taking me somewhere. Wise people see when they're on the wrong path, get off quickly. Fools stay on the path thinking that, oh, they can probably get off at the last moment and not pay, but rarely is that the case. Now, so here's the big question. So then what is the bridge from desire to destination? I mean, it's direction, but let's get more specific. What is that bridge? If I want to get from my intention to my destination, from what I desire to where I want to be, what is it? And the first thing I would say, it's two things. Number one is decisions set your direction. Decisions set your direction. And if you continue with those decisions, it will solidify your direction. The truth is, your decisions are your direction. That's just the reality. The decisions you make, that is your direction. Your decisions become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your character, and your character eventually becomes your destiny. That's why somebody has said our lives are a sum total of the choices that we've made. So the, the decisions I make every day, those are the things, that's part of the bridge that set me on the path, either t- towards or away from my destination. And I think we need to give micro, like look at our lives at a very microscopic level of our individual decisions. In particular, those small initial decisions that first set us on a particular course. That first date, that first taste, that first look, that first click on a website. Those decisions, the first ones, though they're very small, are really the key decision because that's what sets my foot on a particular path. Nobody intends to become bankrupt, right? Nobody sets out to do that. Nobody sets out to become an adulterer. Nobody ever determines and sets out on a path to become an addict. Nobody does. What it starts with is that first small initial decision that sets my course. Jerry White, who was president of Navigators, said, when we dig an ethical grave, it's not with a ditch digger, but with a teaspoon one small choice at a time. If you leave Los Angeles, I'm told, and you're heading to Hawaii, and you're just off half a degree on course, and I know that's not how planes operate, but let's say in the old days, you you said it the old-fashioned way, if you're just off by half a degree, you'll miss Hawaii by 360 miles. It's that small course setting at the beginning, that first decision that determines my path that actually many times sets my course. So, I don't know how many, like, we don't have a lot of youth in here, a lot of them are Mexico, but if there's anybody here who's young, middle school, high school, college age, um, I want to speak to you for a minute, because the paths that you young people choose in your teens and your 20s, those things are going to impact your 30s, your 40s, clear up into your 60s and 70s. Um, You can make decisions when you're young that will lock you into some consequences for the rest of your life. That's a little bit scary, right? 
pretty humbling. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you can't make a change of course, but it's really hard sometimes to undo some of the consequences from decisions, small decisions that I made initially. So, uh, I feel like I'm kind of talking to the choir, but if anybody is here to hear, here to have ears to hear, uh, you don't want to wake up in your 30s and wish you'd taken a different path, right? You don't want to do that. You don't want to have regrets for places you wish you'd never been, things you wish you had never done, or relationships you wish you'd never started. So, if you're young, make those right decisions now. Choose your path wisely. So, direction, not intention, is what determines my destination. Every path that I'm on leads to a destination. And the way that I bridge it is through my decisions because decisions set my direction. And again, if I continue in those decisions, they will solidify that direction. Then on the back of the sheet, I want to say something else about decisions that are important. And it's this idea of attention. Attention determines direction, which in turn determines my destination. This has a lot to do with our decisions. Attention is what determines our direction. So on every path, when a person took a wrong direction by making a decision, the thing that led them to make the decision is that first something caught their attention. Does that make sense? Something caught their attention, they made a decision that set them on a path, on a, on a particular direction. So as your eyes go, that's the way you go. We all know this is true in driving on the highway. You know, you're driving down the highway and you start looking at, like in Colorado, you're looking at antelope on the right and then you look up and what, how have you drifted? You drifted to the, to the right because you, the direction you go is the way that your eyes go. It's this way in bicycling. Um, I learned this a long time ago in Virginia when I was doing some, some pretty mild bicycling. But I, what I learned is, is that when you're making a turn on a bicycle, if you want to make an effective turn, you don't just look ahead. You actually look through the corner. So if, if I'm doing a turn over here, if I look at where I'm turning, I can actually turn the corner a lot. I can cut it a lot closer and get there a lot faster. I'm, it's the same with motorcycles, I'm sure, Skylar. I hear it's the same way with skiing. That as your eyes go, you go. So here's the order, here's what happens, because attention determines my direction. So what happens is something crosses the path of my attention. It then grabs or captures my attention, like I take notice, and then I begin to pay or give that thing my attention. So it comes into my view, into my attention, it kind of grabs my attention, but then I start to give it my attention, my focus. And what I give my intention to, uh, attention to is what will determine my decisions and what my decisions are will determine my direction, which will determine my destination. Does that all follow? Does that all make sense? So attention is really important. It's really important. I want to say just a few things about what grabs our attention, if you don't mind. Um, yeah, first, that on every path that leads the wrong way, there was something that first grabbed my attention. That's always true. On any path that leads the wrong way something first grabbed my attention. So we really have to be aware because the world and Satan have lots of things they want to throw in front of us to grab our attention. That's what happened in Genesis 3 when Satan directed the attention of that first couple off of God and onto the fruit. He grabbed their attention, redirected their attention onto something else. He'll throw anything in front of you that he thinks will catch your eye. And He studies us and knows us well, so He'll throw things in front of us that catch our eye and to distract us and get us on a path away from God. That's what He wants to do, so be aware. Similar to decisions, there's something else about what grabs our attention. Usually what grabs our attention at first is small. It's a small thing. And just like I talked about with decisions, it's that first small thing that'll get you every time. It's not the big thing. It's the small thing that grabs your attention. Another thing about grabbing your attention, whatever grabs your attention that often we don't think about, it has the ability to totally redirect your life and put you on a path that will determine your ultimate destination. That's pretty humbling again, isn't it? That what grabs your attention has the ability to redirect your life. 
And then finally, just because something grabs your attention doesn't mean you have to give it your intention. attention. That's, where the, that's, that's the key point. I can't control what grabs my attention. I'm going to talk a minute about that. I can to a degree, but not necessarily. But what I can control is if I give it my attention, if I give it, and that's where my choice comes in. So, something crosses my attention, the path, it grabs my attention, then I begin to give it my attention. And that's when I begin to set my course. About this giving my intention, um, whatever we give our attention to will more than likely determine our course. The things that we pay attention to will direct our life. This is really crucial to me and my understanding of this whole principle of the path, um, that what gains my attention will affect my decisions, which will set my direction which will in the end determine my destination. So I want to add a word to this that as I've been thinking the last couple of years I think is important, and it's the word affections. Because um, I was thinking a lot about why do things grab my attention? And I think it's my affections. It's what I love and what I deeply desire and long for. That is what determines will grab my attention. Does that make sense? If I don't love something and don't care about it, you know, like if the Missouri Tigers are on TV, I don't, even, don't, I don't even give it a second look, right? It doesn't grab my attention. I have zero love or affection for them. But if the, if the Jayhawks are on or the Broncos or even the Chiefs, I'm not anti-Chiefs, you know, if the Chiefs game comes on and Mahomes is running a play, you know, I have affection for that local team and it, it will grab my attention. What grabs my attention, what captures my intention, attention is merely a reflection of my own heart and my values. And what grabs your attention is a reflection of your heart and your own values. What grabs our attention actually says a lot about us, uh, which is a little bit scary. This, by the way, have you ever seen somebody that's really smart, really intelligent, do something really stupid, make a stupid decision? You ever, ever seen anybody do that? I mean, we all have, right? We've not only seen it, we've done it. And when they do, we always say, well, they should have known better. That's what we usually say. But um, here's what I want to really convey. Information never determines a decision. Do you know that? It is affection that determines our decisions. You know, if the doctor says, hey, no more red meat. Where's Mark? Mark, you know, no more red meat, none, zero, no steaks. And then uh, you go to to Texas Roadhouse. What are you doing at Texas Roadhouse? You never should have gone, but you go to Texas Roadhouse and, you know, Connie's showing you the salads, but what grabs your attention is the, it's the nice juicy steak, right? And when, so when, when you order the steak and you're not supposed to, it has nothing to do with information. We know that we're not supposed to do it, but what captures us and directs our decisions, it's not information. It's never information. It's always what? It's our affections. It's what we love. It's what we are focused on. It's what we, we long for. So, um, it is not because of a lack of information that we do things. It's because, of our, it's because of our affections. And that's why Bible knowledge will never trans, transform anybody. Bible knowledge alone, we need more than that. We need to dive down to the level of affections and to what really drives us, and I'm going to come, I'm going to talk about that actually right now, right now. So this is why cultivating a heart and an affection for God are so important. That's why cultivating a heart and a love for God are so important. I want a healthy God-centered heart so that wrong things are less likely to grab my attention initially. And I do this by keeping my attention on Jesus. That's why the Bible talks so much about this topic. Look at some of these verses in Hebrews 2.1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Proverbs, the book we're studying. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. I love these two. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us keep our eyes fixed, our gaze on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. 
In Colossians 3, 1 to 2, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So if I don't want things to grab my attention that are not healthy, that if I work on that a level of my affections, of what I love and what I care about, if I work on that love and passion for God, that makes it less likely the wrong things will grab my attention and less likely then I will give them my attention. So affections are really important. That's why daily time with God is so crucial. And not just reading the Bible, hey, I'm going to read, cool, for information today to learn, but it's reading for your affection. So I'm in Matthew now, and coming to Matthew this morning and like, Lord Jesus, I want to see your beauty. Help me see your beauty so I love you more. And the first thing I read was the leper who comes to him. And he says, if you would, if you want to, if you desire, would you heal me? And it says, Jesus touched him, and he says, I want to. And he made him well. Isn't that beautiful? So, so you read for your affection, and I'm like, man, who would not want to follow this guy? You know, I've got a problem. Lord Jesus, if you would, would you bring healing or resolution to this problem? And he looks at me, and he says, I would. I want to. So read for your affection. Um, so that's that whole first section. The decisions are what set my direction. My attention is what will determine, determine my decisions. And really, what I love, my affections, will influence my attention, which influence my decisions. That's getting pretty complicated, isn't it? I think I may need my science daughter here to help me figure this out. It's like a, a big math problem. So Again, I come back to that question, what is the bridge from desire to destination? It is decisions, and it's one more thing. It is diligence. Decisions set my direction. Diligence will secure my direction. It secures my direction. Another word for diligence is hard work, except that's two words, not one word. So two words for diligence is hard work. Proverbs 14.23 says, hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. Just the intention, the talk about something will not get bread on the table. It takes hard work, it takes diligence for those things to pay off in the end. And specifically, I would say diligence requires two things, disciplines and discipline. Disciplines and discipline. Disciplines are the behaviors, patterns, the rhythms, the habits I must commit to in order to get to my intended destination. Someone has said, effective people are effective because they commit to habits which ineffective people don't. And that's so true. So this disciplines, it's, I think it's self-explanatory, but just to make sure, let me explain. Um, Emily, did you just do the bike across Kansas? How long did that take, a week? A week, okay. So if I wanna do the bike across Kansas next year, Probably I don't just show up that first day and ride 3,000 miles across Kansas. I don't know how far it is, but you just don't show up, right? How many? 500. 500. You just don't show up and do it, right? There's probably some disciplines. You probably have to do a little bit of training. You have to do some things to prepare yourself for that. Um, yeah, you begin to practice a specific set of disciplines that will get you to the goal. So I, I not just, it's not just my decisions that get me to my destination, but it's the disciplines. It's the habits, the things that I need to do that will move me towards my goal. But disciplines are not enough. It also takes discipline. Above and beyond a commitment to a set of disciplines, a person needs discipline. That discipline to stick to the disciplines day in and day out, uh, even when you don't feel like it. And I know that's kind of the hard part. That's why I love the Holy Spirit, because the fruit of the Holy Spirit, one of His fruit is self-control. If you walk with Him, He will give you the discipline to do your disciplines and follow through on your decisions so you can get to your destination. Dave Ramsey, in talking about discipline in his Peace University course on finances, always quotes Hebrews 12, 11. Well, I guess if you're playing the DVD, he just always quotes it, right? <laughs> Every time I watch it, he always quotes that. It must be really important. Here's what it says, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but later on, however, we have peace, for we start living the right way. Yeah, discipline's painful. It's not fun. You know, the disciplines, the preparation for that, that's not the fun part, right? It's, that it's getting there and actually doing it. So, um, 
William Barclay, do I have this quote? I don't. I just want to read this to you. It's about discipline. He wrote about a man named Samuel Taylor Coolidge, and here's what he said. Coolidge is the supreme tragedy of indiscipline. Never did so great a mind produce so little. He left Cambridge University to join the army, but he left the army because in spite of all his erudition, he could not rub down a horse. He returned to Oxford, and he left without a degree. He began a paper called The Watchman, which lived for ten numbers, or ten editions, I guess, and then, he, and then it died. It's been said of him, he lost himself in visions of work to be done that always remained to be done. Coleridge had every poetic gift but one, the gift of sustained and concentrated effort. In his head and in his mind, he had all kinds of books, as he himself said, completed save for transcription. I'm on the eve, he says, of sending to the press two new volumes, but the books were never composed outside of his mind because he would not face the discipline of sitting down to write them out. No one ever reached any eminence, no one having reached it ever maintained it without discipline. So many people, the reason we never reach our desired destination is because we don't know the disciplines needed to get there and we don't have the discipline to apply those on a regular basis. So, let me summarize. Don't ever confuse intent, confuse, intention, confuse. This is almost like tongue twisters. Intention with direction. Don't ever confuse the two. Just because I want something to happen doesn't mean it will. I can have a dozen desires in my mind, but if I'm not willing to do the things to move me in the direction of experiencing them, it's only wishful thinking. There is a process that takes you from where you are to where you want to go. People are quick to commit to the end result, but they're not willing to, to give themselves to the process to get there. So direction, not intention, determines destination. Direction, not intention, determines destination. That's why Proverbs 13.4 says that only hard work will get you to where you want to go. Every path that I'm on will lead me to a destination. Decisions are my direction. Decisions are my direction. Attention determines my direction. It determines my detention. My direction. It determines my decisions, which determine my direction, which determine my destination. And tell me, what affects what I pay attention to? My affections. Okay? Boy, that sounds really complicated. But here's what I want you to see. that My decisions plus diligence, disciplines and discipline, that's what equals my direction. That's what will get me to my destination. That is the bridge between your desires and your intended destination. And that's why someone has said, it's the things that nobody sees that create the things that everybody wants. It's all that stuff in the blue. The things that nobody ever sees, that's what creates the things that everybody wants. There is a highway that will take you from your hopes to your intended harbor. There is an avenue that will move you from your aspirations to your ultimate arrival but it's a path, and it's your decisions, and it's diligence. Wise people know that what's true, of, that success is in the journey, not just in the destination. Many people just want the outcome, but they don't want the journey, but it's really in the journey that you arrive. So, that's the principle of the path. I want to share two more things quickly that I think are almost more important. But um, I don't know. I hope that's helpful. This thing, it's not on my mind all the time, but when I'm dealing with people, I'm frequently talking to people. In fact, I'm talking with somebody right now who has a really big thing that they're wanting to, to arrive at, but what they're struggling with, they have this intention, but they are not willing to make some of the initial decisions they have to make to move that way, and so they're not even on a path. Does that make sense? And I see this so often, that people have an intention to get somewhere, but they won't get on the direction that will get them to their destination. And that requires decisions. Decisions is the path. And then once I make those decisions, it takes disciplines and discipline to stay on that path to get to where I'm going. And I just see this so many times in people's lives. So I'm frequently encouraging. I've shared this with this individual. And I said, you know, you have a great 
I love your aspiration, but if you want to arrive, there's an avenue you've got to take. You've got to make some decisions. Just sitting and hoping it happens won't make it happen. So that's the diagram, and to me, that's just a really important principle. Um, I recommend you teach it to your children, your grandchildren. Teach it to friends that you're dealing with. Um, that's why I have the sheet, if you ever want to show it to somebody or give it to somebody. Now, these are good principles, but again, information alone, just me giving you this, it never transforms anybody. I can give this to you, and a lot of us are going to walk out of here, and we're going to continue to still do the same things that we do. Principles are important. That's why I shared this with you. That's why we're looking at the book of Proverbs. It's full of principles to teach us to live skillfully, to live life well. But Proverbs 9.10 says, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So, on here, the ultimate key to direction is a person. It's God Himself. And there are three reasons the principles are not enough. Because principles, even this principle, rarely if ever, do principles capture my heart. I don't fall in love with this principle. I just don't, I just don't love this principle. I mean, I, I like it. I think it's important. And what you love is what really influences who you become. So, principles don't capture your heart. The other thing about principles is principles don't love me. They don't care about me. That goes without saying, right? Principles are just these vague things floating around out there. They're true, but they don't care about me as an individual. And principles don't know me, and they don't know the exceptions of my life because my life has exceptions, and I know yours does too. Remember when I first introduced Proverbs? I talked about Proverbs talks about the generalities, but it doesn't talk about exceptions. And that's the problem with principles. They work most of the time, but not necessarily all the time, because there are exceptions. So principles can never know me, and they can never know my exceptions in life. How many of you have ever gotten lost, though you had detailed instructions on how to get there? Anybody ever had that happen to them? Am I the only person? I have all these lost stories. Yeah, I see that hand back there. That getting lost. Even with a GPS. Ever gotten lost with a GPS? Yeah, right? Um, I remember one time we were going to Nashville. This was before smartphones, before GPS. He had mailed me very detailed instructions. And we ended up, we kept getting on a loop, and we couldn't get out of the loop. We'd, and we'd come back to the same highway. And finally, after three or four times of frustration, I called him. And he said, oh, there's something only the locals know, that there's two exits with the same name, and you're taking the wrong one. If you would go through the first, you'd come to that. He should have put that on there. But anyways, once I talked to them, he talked me through it, and I got to my destination. Okay, here's the point of all of that. I would rather have a person every time take me somewhere than a set of principles. Does that make sense? If I want to get somewhere, I'd much rather have somebody riding with me in the seat beside me and telling me, oh, by the way, this street's closed up there because they're doing work. It's not on Google yet, Google Maps, but let's take a right here and we'll take this street. I'd much rather have a person with me every time. And the journey of life, that person is God. He created me uniquely. He knows me purposely. He knows my future and the road ahead intimately, and He can direct me on my life's journey. And so a relationship with God is the ultimate key to this whole thing, to direction in life. That's why Proverbs 3, 5 to 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. Walk intimately with Him. That's what that in Hebrew means, and He will direct your paths. I love the way Eugene Peterson puts it. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who'll keep you on track. So the ultimate key to direction is a purpose, is a person, not a purpose, is a person. And finally, because the ultimate key to direction is a person, that means that direction begins with submission. Direction begins with submission. You have to be in a place in your life where you're willing to submit your life to the leadership of Jesus, to obey Him, to be a person under authority instead of a person in authority. We talked about, that was my first sermon this January. I must be willing to do what God says without condition, either the principles He gives me in the Bible or the personal leading He gives me in my life. I, have, I must be willing to do that unconditionally. And that's why on the sheet, you can't tell it. The way, you know, I, I printed it this way when it's how you see it. There is a blue line 
And if you'll follow it, it takes you back to decision. I drew that arrow from submission back to your decisions. Because if I'm committed to following Him in all things, that one choice of walking with Him and being committed to Him, that one choice will determine all of my decisions and my ultimate direction. So, the ultimate key is really a person. It's not the principle. I believe in the principles. I believe in what Proverbs teaches, but the key to direction is God. So, here's what I want to conclude with. You guys have an insert that looks like this, but it's folded. I want to ask you some questions to think pull out a pen and write or to take it home. Um, how about the path? I want you to think about maybe a path that you're on. So I'm curious, what path are you currently on? Is there a path that you know you need to take but you haven't stepped into it yet? Or maybe you're on a path that you know you need to get off of to take that exit sign. Because remember, your path is your destination. Every path has a destination. So take a minute and reflect on that. Do you have a, pay, a path that you need to get off of? Or do you have a path that you need to take? And then decision to make. Some of us here today are contemplating a crucial first decision. And it will set us on a particular path. So I'm just curious, is that the right decision? Or is it a decision that could start you down the wrong path? And if it's the right decision, what's stopping you from making that decision to start on that path? Because decisions are a direction. So I want you to write down, if there's any decisions you need to make today, I want you to write that down. Even regarding decisions, maybe there's something we've made and the question is, is it the path that we want to be on? Or is there a decision that we need to unmake, a, de a new and better decision? Some of us here today have something that's recently captured our attention. I don't have a thing on here for attention, but it would be with decision. Or we've begun to give our attention to something that maybe we know we shouldn't. So I'd like to ask, what has captured your attention? Is there something recently in your life that's captured it? Or is there something you're beginning to give your attention to? And if you think about it, that attention will lead you to decisions that will put you on a path to maybe a destination you don't want to end up on. So are you giving your attention to something that will likely lead to a decision that will put you on a path you may later regret? And speaking of our attention, are you paying attention to God these days? Or do you need to give Him more attention? If so, write that down. Some of us here today, we have a desire for an intended destination. Like I talked about last week, God's put a desire on your heart, but that desire, it takes planning and there's got to be a path to fruition. So there are people here today probably who have a desire for an intended destination, but they're not working on the bridge that will get them to the destination. It's either you haven't begun or you've stopped being disciplined about it. So if that's you, I want you to write down what's the destination you desire to get to. And then a few notes. What bridge do you need to begin to build today to get to that destination? What are the decisions you need to make to get started what are the disciplines you need to engage in to engage in to make that happen? So if that's something you're thinking about, write that down. And then finally, I want to, my last question is, is if you've written anything down on here that's important, something that's grabbed your attention that shouldn't, you're concerned about, a decision you have made or are about to make, or decision you need to make to build a bridge to a destination, whatever it is, if there's anything on here important, I'd like you to write down the name of a weighty friend, somebody that you, who loves God, 
who knows him well, who has his wisdom, that you can talk to about that and that can start to help you to get on the path towards the thing that God has put on your heart to do. So, that's the principle of the path, that direction, would you say that with me again? Direction, not intention, determines destination. Can we do that again? Direction, not intention, determines your destination. Every path that you're on, it leads to destination. Every path leads to a destination. And the bridge is the decisions that I make and the diligence that I put to it. Decisions set my direction. Diligence is what secures my direction. And remember, decisions are your direction. And what is it that determines your decisions? Something that grabs your attention. Grabs my attention. It affects my decisions. And what influences what grabs my attention? My affections, the things that I love. So we cultivate an affection for God. And so that's why the person is the ultimate key to everything in life, is cultivating that affection for God. Because if I cultivate my affections for God, He will empower me to do the things I need to do. He will help me to give my attention to what I need to give my attention to, to make the decisions I need to make, to set me on the right path, towards the destination of where I want to go. He'll help me with the disciplines, and His Holy Spirit will give me the self-control and the discipline I need so I can arrive. So that's the principle of the path. So can we stand? I want to pray for all of us. Lord, in some ways, this seems like really basic stuff. But I know that it has helped me with some things in my own life decisions I had to make, disciplines I had to take up, discipline I had to apply so that I could arrive at some places I felt like you were moving me to or places I felt like I needed to be at. I pray if there's anyone here today, Lord, who has a destination they long to be at and all they've lived with is their intention of it and they have made no steps in the direction of it, I pray that you would help them to make that move in that direction. Lord, if there's anybody here today who is at a point of decision because something's grabbed their attention and they're not quite there yet, but they're so close to making that decision that could set them on the wrong path, a path away from you, a path that would have bad consequences, I pray that you would convict and help them to make the right decision. Help all of us to daily be in your word, not just to gain information, but so that we can come to love you and see your beauty and that you become the one that we truly love and that we want to walk with, knowing that you will affect our affections and what gets our attention and the decisions we make and all of that that sets us on the path towards the destinations that we go to. So we just pray for your wisdom in all of this. Um, just help us to do the right thing at the right point where we are in our lives. And we pray in this. This all in the name of Jesus, the person to whom we look and love. We pray in his name. Amen. So let us go and be God's people in the world this week.